Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me, everyone. I am very excited about today's show, and you will see why. Uh, but if you're joining us for the very first time, uh, being a parent is the hardest job you will ever have. I say this all the time, and I've been saying it for 15 years now. Progressive Parenting understands all of that and wants you to know that you are not alone. Now, uh, I'm not a parenting expert. I am your humble host. I am a concerned parent of four children. I am a doula and a doula trainer, and as such, I understand the difficulties involved with parenthood. So once a week, I invite doctors, nurses, family workers, authors, and experts from different fields to answer your parenting questions. Now, because this is a progressive talk show, we will broach topics and air opinions that you as a parent might not otherwise hear about through the mainstream media. The mission of progressive parenting is to inform not to preach, to share, not advise, and to connect, not alienate. Uh, as you know, we are listener-sponsored radio, so a big thank you to our loyal listeners who tune in and support us with donations uh, year after year. So if you love the show, please consider dropping us a dime or two at paypal.me forward slash progressive parenting. And we also have sponsors every once in a while, but we are very picky about them. And this month's sponsor is the Storks Warehouse. Our friends at the Storks Warehouse have a new YouTube series called Dream Nursery. So if you love getting nursery inspiration and you're an HGTV addict, then this is the show for you. Uh, you're going to join Jennifer and Rose as they travel the United States, helping parents design their dream nursery. Each design represents one web series with three to five episodes per series, and a new episode debuts every Thursday. So that's tomorrow, people. The cool part is that uh, all of their products and decor used on the show are duly tested and mom-approved. So if you're looking for a new show to binge watch, this is the excellent choice. Head over to the uh, app, The Storks Warehouse, and follow the link to view their newest episode. All right. Um, without further ado, Kathleen, hi, are you still there? Let me see if I can get you back on. Off are you? Let's see if I can turn you up. Are you muted? Nope, I can hear you now. Hi. Okay, great. Hi, how are you? Oh, so excited to have you on. Um, I am a huge fan. You know that. And <laughs> I've read so many of your books, and I just I want to tell people a little bit about you before we get going. Um, just, okay. Uh, I don't know that a lot of, like, I, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said you were going to come on. She's like, oh, I love her. I'm like, do you know that she's, like, authored or edited, like, 22 books on, on trauma and women's health and depression and breastfeeding? <laughs> it's just going on and on. And she's like, I didn't know all of those things. So um, I'm just excited to have you on. I'm going to make sure that all of your websites, um, like KathleenKendallTackett.com, BreastfeedingMadeSimple.com, Uppity Science Chick, all that stuff is going to be on our blog when we write about it. Um, so sorry. Oh, great. I appreciate it. Thanks. Be so excited that I am. <laughs> um, I love talking about breastfeeding and attachment parenting. Um, I made a post on Instagram. Well, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, no, I'm just, I'm happy that you're doing the show. I'm always happy to support any group that's uh, promoting attachment parenting. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, yeah, and it's so hard for me. I I haven't served on the board for API in like forever, but I, I'm never going to stop caring about this stuff. Um, yeah. So I made a post on Instagram about today's show, and instead of trying, you know, to find pictures of other people breastfeeding, um, I found a bunch and um, just looking at old pictures, uh, breastfeeding, and remembering um, how hard it was with my, my last kid, um, all the stress and anxiety that I went through, like, came rushing back, and I wasn't expecting to be that emotional. 
looking at the picture, um, promoting it. Um, And just the the idea of talking about like mental health and breastfeeding, I don't think it's a topic that comes up enough in like childbirth education. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I, I, I think sometimes even if it does, you know, I think a lot of times parents, because they're preparing for the birth and everything's kind of focused on that, a lot of yeah. times they hear this stuff and they think, well, that's not going to be me. And so right. sometimes even when it does come up in childbirth education, it, you know, we, we're not in a place where we can hear it. And so I think that, that that's also a thing. But, yeah, no, I, I frequently, um, I, I feel like that there's more attention to mental health now than there used to be. But, yeah, we still have a ways to go on that. Yeah, I think, yeah, because it gets glossed over, not maybe, I'm not trying to blame childbirth educators. I, I mean, just like we're parents. No, no. You can't know until you know. I, I think well, that's exactly. a big part of, Yeah, as a doula, that's why I, like 98% of the people who hire me are second, third, fourth time parents. Because um, now yeah. they understand that they that need support um, during and, and especially mm-hmm. afterward. Um, so yeah, can you absolutely. Do- more about that time, that postpartum time, um, where like this last time I, I thought I was set, I made sure to take 40 days off. Like I, I, I thought I did everything right, and I still experienced an incredible amount of um, anxiety. Oh, sure. Well, you know, it's not, it's not really honestly that unusual. You're in really pretty good, you know, pretty good company there. You know, in some places, you know, it's as high as like 25%. And it can be even higher, you know, if you start looking at, you know, people who've had previous episodes of anxiety or depression or post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, when you start looking at, you know, people who are under particular types of stress, like right now during COVID, you know, so many families are just under this tremendous amount of stress, you know, starting with what happened to them in the hospital, you know, and kind of like what their birth was like. So, I mean, anxiety is something that, you know, is really quite common. And new mothers. And I think sometimes we don't necessarily probably pay as much attention to it as depression, although, you know, the mechanism, the, phys- the physiological mechanism is the same. But it's like anxiety can be really difficult. And I've worked with some moms who've been, you know, around breastfeeding issues who've been highly anxious, and they uh-huh. get to a point where they can't even kind of hear, like, what you're saying. You know, yeah. it's just kind of like, I tried that, it didn't work, I tried that, you know, cause, because, of, you know, their their brain is in, like, constant kind of alarm phase. But it doesn't yeah. mean that you did anything wrong. You know, there could be a number of reasons for it, you know, starting with what happened during the birth. You know, but it could be a prior right. vulnerability. I mean, unfortunately, anxiety is just common in our, you know, in our culture, in our country, and, you know, kind of the, all the stressors that people experience. And so, yeah, it, you know, it's it's not a, it's not surprising in some ways. That, that you did experience it. Yeah. Even though I mean, you, you did a lot of things to support yourself, which I think actually probably helped a lot, but it's like it doesn't necessarily completely avoid the risk. I'm sure it did, and I think it really made me start to look at um, at, at the entire postpartum situation before, I mean, uh, differently afterwards, where um, yeah, before absolutely. I knew it existed, but I didn't like ever like feel it like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Had to went through the whole Deemer thing. Um, a friend of mine said she saw me. I was I was a speaker at a conference. I was at the Birth and Beyond conference, and I had a brand new, I had a four month old baby. I, I really didn't have any business mm. there. <laughs> but um, yeah. in retrospect, right at the time, I'm just trying to make a living, and um, 
I was breastfeeding my, my baby who was four months at the time. And my friend just said, I just look so pained and, mm. um, far away. I, I didn't look like me. I didn't look like all the, the joyous pictures I had posted on Instagram. <laughs> um, and oh. then, uh, she was really concerned about me, but I hadn't, I was only at home with my partner. So uh, up until that point, so there was no like real chance per se for like a diagnosis. Like how can somebody know, when do you know when you need help? You know, I think in some ways that's a real challenge because it's like, you may be going through something that you think, okay, well, this is just normal kind of postpartum stuff. Because postpartum is tough, let's be honest. You know, just <laughs> normal postpartum without any kind of, like, depression or anxiety just by itself is, is challenging. You know, especially kind of the way we do it in our culture, which is, you know, people come over to see the baby and the mother's up making snacks. I mean, <laughs> you know, that, you know, we don't tend to, like, automatically surround the mother with support she needs. You know, so right. that makes it already difficult. But how do people know, like, when they get to a point where this is just beyond normal postpartum? You know, and I think actually this is honestly one place where I think partners or outside supporters can be particularly valuable. Because sometimes, I said, moms, if they're right in the thick of things, may not kind of recognize it. And so I think if there were to be one thing that I would probably want to include in a prenatal education or prenatal situation is to say, look, you know, here's a couple of just very short questionnaires that if you think there might be an issue, here's some questions to ask. You know, and so there's actually a really good uh, questionnaire that you can actually share with moms. It's actually available online. It's called the PHQ-4. So it's got two screening questions about depression and it's got two screening questions about anxiety. And I think that will give moms a pretty good idea if they kind of feel like, but again, like I said, in some ways you've got to know when to reach out and sometimes that's when the person who is supporting the mom could actually be extremely helpful, you know, uh, as just another set of eyes. But if the mom herself wants to know that too, that could be a scale that if she knew about, she could also just say, okay, you know, no, I don't seem to be scoring in the depression range. Um, this must be just normal postpartum versus, okay, it looks like I've got some symptoms. Now I've got to kind of decide what to do about those. Right. Uh, and I, I, I wish that we would empower uh, the family surrounding the birthing person or, or if they have, like, a birth partner um, or a, a life right. partner. Um, uh, a long, long time ago, uh, many, many years ago, there was a story about this about a poor woman who went through postpartum depression, and, uh, you know, the worst happened, um, uh, ending in uh, – it's tragic. I don't want to say it out loud – with her kids. Oh, and yeah. I remember my um, – my ex-husband at the time said, I blame the dad. That's what he said. And um, oh. I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty heavy. And then fast forward a couple of years later, I have my second child with Down syndrome. I have, I'm working full time. I don't have a day off. Mm. Uh, and I end up with severe postpartum depression where I ended up uh, wow. in, a, in a facility for my postpartum depression. Um, wow. And, and he, yeah, he came to visit me. And uh, I say, you remember when you said you blame the dad? <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe not so much. <laughs> um, but he ended up participating in a postpartum. Um, there was a conference in Fresno, California, and we, we both went and shared our stories there um, about how even when you, you think that you would know, but you don't know. Um, and right. it, 
so much better if we can get this kind of information to the birthing person's family or the people closest to them that will see them more than than maybe the postpartum doula will get to or maybe the, the midwife will get yeah. to or even, you know, if she has regular care, she's not going to see anybody for six weeks. So, well, yeah, getting so I was looking it up. Um, the pH two four. If I look just that up, nothing comes up. Is there oh, something pH else? Oh, pH two four. Yeah. pH two four. Yes. Um, but uh, is it the WHO postpartum care that I'm looking for? Because it's the first thing that pops no, up. No, I just want to make sure that stands for paint patient health questionnaire. Okay, I got it. I just want to make sure I get yeah. it to everybody. Right. But it is it, that is really kind of a it's you know it's a very sort of simple kind of screening scale and it really actually does tell you a lot and so that that's a good one it's a very nice kind of easy one you know you know and I think I said I would like to see a lot more education you know among say pediatricians because they're the ones actually honestly seeing the moms the American Academy of Pediatrics has actually now said that postpartum depression is within their purview. Um, but, you know, I think it still hasn't, like, trickled down to the practitioner level. Uh, but that would actually be where I would really, in some ways, place some emphasis. Because, again, like I said, you talk about, you know, who's seeing, who's seeing the family, you know, and kind of, like, thinking about that surveillance of, like, you know, kind of who's paying attention. And, and yeah. also I'd want to, like, make sure that that provider was knowledgeable about, okay, so what do you do about it? See, that's yeah. one reason why providers don't ask. Cause, and, and I hear this all the time, and I hear this about with trauma, too. Oh, I don't want to ask because you're opening up Pandora's box. That's always the use. It's Pandora's box, and they're thinking about, oh, now my schedule for the week is going to get totally trashed. Uh, you know, because, you know, a lot of providers, actually, they've got, you know, five minutes to see a patient. You know, and so they don't necessarily feel like they kind of have the time. You know, and so versus, that, that's one reason why for many, many years, I have trained nurses because I think a lot of times they have a little more time to sit down and talk. But I think right. the more people who know about this, I think the more there's a safety net for the family. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, um, when uh, all that was happening, I saw my pediatrician and told her, how, well, uh, not the pediatrician, my obstetrician, um, at my mm-hmm. six-week checkup, how I was feeling. And um, she just wrote me a script for Ambien. And, yeah. Uh, for Ambien. Yeah, for Ambien. And then wow. this was 14 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, my, that's not my problem. <laughs> and then. Oh, um, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that. Yeah. And my, um, uh, yeah, and my, my aunt, my aunt, it was the uh, head of L&D at that hospital. Um, but that was 14 years ago. And then uh, my pediatrician missed it, too. And I, I was going on and mm. on and bawling and crying and. Talk, uh, you know, asking about wow. breastfeeding, and uh, and at the time that they, they didn't, um, I ended up seeing a different pediatrician with my other ones that that actually had an IBCLC yeah. in their office. Um, oh, okay, yeah, I didn't good. Know back then that a lot of pediatricians don't get a lot of breastfeeding education. Oh no, I no, didn't. I can tell you, they they get almost nothing. Yeah, yeah, that the yeah, no, I not until. Go ahead. I was going to say, and they're in a really tough position because a lot of times people expect them to know. Yeah, I expected him to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super you know, hard the, when it's... The better, more way. effective ones are the ones who actually say, you know, I, I don't really actually know. Here is, yeah. you know, a, a recommendation for an IBCLC. 
Yeah. You know, or here is a recommendation for a peer supporter. You know, but a lot of times they try to sort of bluff their way through or supplement. You know, and that's, that's I think, where it is, it's challenging. I've actually trained pediatric residents, and I've just said, look, you don't actually have to know all of this stuff. But what you do know, need to know, is how to spot a problem. Yeah, and, and have some resources that you can send somebody to locally. Precisely. Um, yep, exactly. Yeah, I, and if you can do that, I think you're really a service to the mom. And it's the same thing with, you know, like, okay, let's say they spot, you know, say a potential postpartum depression. You know, yeah. okay, do they, have, do they have a referral list in the community? You know, that's really all it kind of takes. They don't necessarily need to provide the mental health care, but to kind of like have a referral list. I actually really like that Postpartum Support International has actually been launching a bunch of initiatives to do telehealth. So oh. this was pre-COVID. They started doing that. Because they were realizing that so many mothers are in communities where their services are not available. And so now, like, and I think COVID has actually, if anything, accelerated that because it's all of a sudden just really unleashed a lot of stuff about people doing telehealth. And it's really kind of brilliant because it's like now all of a sudden that stuff is much more accessible. You know, mental, good quality mental health care is, is much more accessible. Um, you know, even if you're in a situation where you don't necessarily live in a community where that's available. Hello, Hello? are you there? Yeah, yeah, you said oh, where yeah. that. Yeah, sorry, it went quiet for a minute. I got a little yeah. worried. <laughs> yeah, uh, COVID's really, yeah, so anyways. a lot of that uh, telehealth-wise when it comes to just even having a doula on the phone uh, as opposed to oh, in-house. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's changed. I think it's normalized that a lot. Um, I used to help people uh, on the phone at birth, like somebody who lived in Los Angeles while I'm in Albuquerque or something oh. years ago. Oh, you're kidding. And, wow. That's yeah, that's yeah. wild. <laughs> it is, right? Yeah, because um, yeah, one of the postpartum doulas that I interviewed, you know, kind of, we've got our book, Jackie Kelleher, but she was talking about doulas, you know, doing things like setting up their computers and cooking with moms who are on their computers. Yeah. You know, preparing meals or something. <laughs> yeah. It's weird times. <laughs> yeah, really is, but it's very it's, weird times. Some good uh, will come from it for sure, um, especially for this, this kind of telehealth situation. Uh, and I think that uh, Postpartum uh, Support International does a really good job of it. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think, think so. And I yeah. said they're expanding their services definitely. It's so good and so needed, especially when um, in a lot of cultures, like um, um, Mexican-American, I know in um, black cultures, uh, other people's cultures, um, in many cultures, I would say almost all of them, it's taboo to talk about that. It's taboo to say. Oh, yeah, definitely. um, I I feel like maybe there's something wrong. Uh, It's hard to ask for help. Um, It's hard to... um, just to reach out and say, I can't do all of it because you feel like you're expected to do it all. Oh, sure. Yeah, and people yeah. just have this idea, especially in our culture, you know, they, they compare themselves to cultures in the, in the developing world. And they say, well, you know, in those cultures, mothers are, you know, they, they have their babies in the field and they are expected to get right back to work. Well, that's actually not really true because a lot of those cultures have these unbelievable sort of layers of ritual that they do that really yeah. support those mothers. You know, so in some ways, those mothers actually have better mental health than the mothers in our more industrialized cultures. 
You know, and so it's in some ways very kind of arrogant when people kind of assume that, you know, okay, well, we're in a, you know, a wealthy industrialized country. We're doing this better. No, actually, it's, you know, in, in many cases, in the case of supporting your mothers, that's not true. No, absolutely not. It makes us want to look at that and really kind of just say, you know, okay, so what are they doing that's making such a difference? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the big mm-hmm. things is, you know, right after birth, and you probably experienced this yourself, you know, it's like this change that happens from everybody paying attention to you, wanting to know how you're feeling, you know, wanting to know if they can help you with something, to all of a sudden everybody switches and focuses their attention on the baby. Yeah. And that can actually feel extremely abrupt, you know, that you just basically get dropped like a, like a hot rock. And here Even you are, you're thinking like this. Yes, and you've been through this life-altering change and there's just kind of nobody even acknowledges that it's really isolating it can make you feel really sad i'm I'm super bummed out i just gave birth in my bathroom just me and my partner and my sister (laughs) i'm awesome and you know and everybody's like oh look a baby i'm like the baby didn't do anything (laughs) i've got the baby who's got me you gave you gave birth in your bathroom yeah (laughs) Wow. My kids, my, my kids come really fast. That's impressive. Thank you. Thank you for that six years later. I appreciate it. Where yeah. were you six years ago? Yeah, really. That, that's, like, amazing. But, yeah, you know, it's like they were saying, like, in, um, I was actually just starting to write about this, but they were talking, you know, you know um, in Punjabi culture, for example, you know, they bring gifts uh-huh. for the mother. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, like the focus is on, on her. And it should be because... You know, versus she's the one who kind of did it. She's, you know, I mean, you really... I think sometimes people don't take this into account, but when even when everything goes well, I mean, when you're giving birth, you're walking on that knife edge between life and death. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a really big, big thing. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Karen Strange says that. Like, even if everything was perfect, that was still a huge event for both of you. And yeah. and there's no, like, sacredness around it in our culture, in our community. And nobody understands that the baby just needs that, that birthing person. Like, the birthing person is the baby's ecosystem. So if you care about yeah. the baby, exactly. take care of the mother. Right. You know, Nils Bergman talks about that, you know, talking about, you know, the, the mother's body is the baby's natural habitat is the way he phrases yeah. it, you know, but, you know, and, and he had talked about kind of, you know, based on his experience, you know, he was in Zimbabwe where, you know, there was maybe one doctor for every hundred thousand, you know, and it's kind of like the story of kangaroo care and about how those babies, babies, especially that were born preterm, you know, tended to die. You know, and by just simply doing that, you know, keeping, you know, keeping the mom and the, and the baby together, you know, during that kind of time. And it's like their idea of a neonatal, you know, intensive care unit was basically all these beds with babies wrapped around, you know, the mom's bodies. And he said, you yep. know, and they, they cut their death rate in half. I mean, it was just, you know, it's like and we, we kind of hear, we've been hearing the story about that for the last, you know, 15, 20 years. And it's still just remarkable. You know, but somehow you think, oh yeah, you got to get in here, you got to buy all this gear, you got to have all this thing, and you got to separate. You know, and it's kind of like, uh-huh. you know, and, and I, I, I 100% agree with you. I think you know, if you focus on the mother, the system takes care of itself. You know, it's kind of like the, you know, 
that they can kind of work together in a system. You know, I'll tell you one other thing that really kind of bugs me, thinking about, like you were talking about breastfeeding, but thinking about it from a mental health standpoint, is it's like so many of our mothers soldier away in pain. Yeah. Toe-curling pain. And it's like, mm-hmm. why? <laughs> you know, it's like uh, I, I got into kind of a thing back and forth, honestly, with one of our authors, because she wanted to put that, you know, that first sex weeks, you know, postpartum, that pain is normal. You just have yeah. to sort of soldier through it. And I said, no, 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 no. And she goes, well, I experienced that. And I said, okay, I understand what you're saying. And I said, I am very, very sorry that you experienced that. Yeah. Said, but it's common. It's not normal. You know, I said, there needs to be some. And then she kind of came back and she says, well, all the members of our group said that they experienced too. And I said, okay, That's common, tragic. not normal. And then they came back. I said, you know, you they, you need to see lactation care. That's what that's what the indication of. And they came back and they said, well, the lactation consultant said that the baby had sharp gums. What? And I was like, I said, that, yeah. At that point, I just wanted to beat my head on the desk. You know. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Like, that's she needs to go back to school. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the hard part too. Yeah, but, not not all obstetricians, not all pediatricians, not all. Any experts at all are going to be, you know, perfect. <laughs> and it's hard to know um, who to pick and, and where to go for your resources. I think yeah. if I had any um, but, advice to a new new uh, about-to-be parent or couple is um, start doing research on, on things that you may need help with in the future. Um, right. About, right. Just in case, you know, who are your mental health experts in your area? Uh, who are... Um, you know, uh, maybe you're going to change your mind. Maybe you need to know who your midwives are. Search around and find out who your choices are for obstetricians. You might have more than more than you think. Um, and find right. out, you know, who people recommend for, for pediatricians. And then go to the most trusted sources you can and just have that list. And there's no, you know, just because you have the fireman's department phone number on your phone doesn't mean you're going to use it. But it's good to have. Well, and also, too, you know, I think it really kind of comes down to, you know, you're not going to necessarily click with everybody. And that's, that's really true. okay. You know, yeah. but if you have some options. But I would say if I were going to give one piece of advice to new families, I'd say this. Don't accept the pain as normal. You know, it's like if yeah. somebody's telling you it's just normal. Okay, yeah, common. Yes, lots of people experience it. But it's, something, it's an indication that we've got to look at further and see what's going on. You know, it's kind of like any other time you experience pain. Mm-hmm. You know, that you don't, you know, as Tina Smiley, who's a uh, breastfeeding medicine specialist out in Connecticut, what she says is, look, if you've got a rock in your shoe, you stop and take the rock out. You don't sit there and try to figure out how to walk with the rock. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, which I think is like, it's a good thing. It's like I said, it, you know, so many times if moms, you know, feel like they're, if they've got pain, they'll say, oh, I'm doing it wrong. It's like, not necessarily. It could be that there is something going on inside the baby's mouth that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of like, it's just an indication that it's like, if it's more than just a little twinge when you first latch on, it's like, okay, Find somebody who actually will sit there and work with you about that. And don't sit there and say, well, just keep doing what you're doing. It's like, ah. <laughs> I, I mean, I've done lactation consults when I've gone to see my orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> 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 I 
I believe it. <laughs> yeah, his assistant actually her twin her twin sister had just had a baby and had shredded nipples. Absolutely, uh-huh. she was miserable. You know, and so I got her on Zoom, and we tried the biological nurturing, you know, the laid-back breastfeeding. Yeah. Because I told her, I said, look, it may take us a bit to figure out what's going on. And I said, you know, so let's just try this. I said, let's try this first. You know, I want you to get comfortable. I want you to actually put the baby's cheek on your breast. Baby immediately started doing the head bobbing. Mm -hmm. And all I had to say to the mom is, okay, go ahead and help her. And she just moved right on there. And she had a brilliant, comfortable feed right while we were on, on Zoom. Wow. You know, now, sometimes it's not that easy, but it's kind of like she was really in a place where she was going to quit. Yeah. And I don't blame a no. lot of, I think before, I don't know that I I've, I had the same belief that I have now. Um, and I think it was uh, skewed because of me being in this privileged place of, you know, being on the board of directors for API, knowing what I knew about breastfeeding, being a breastfeeding peer counselor, little Leche League, all that stuff, right? But having that fourth baby mm-hmm. that was so hard to nurse, I completely yeah. and 100% understand why it's somebody would just be like, screw this. I get it. I, I yeah. 100% yeah. understand. I, I, it was I, I, I totally get it, too. There are so many moms who just, like, have these miserable experiences, and it makes me feel like weeping. Yeah. Because it's, it's like terrible. they try so hard. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. And you know, you were you were talking earlier about having Deemer. Now, was that actually yeah. with your fourth baby? That yeah, and that's a baby. that's a really hard thing. You know, we horrendous. don't really quite understand exactly what's going on there. I, it, you know, it seems based on the timing of like when the hormones are active. It seems like yeah. it's based on something with oxytocin misfiring. Yeah. You know, uh, because oxytocin has two things. We all. Yeah, we always think about it as the love and, you know, love and attachment hormone, which it is. But it's got another side to it, which is really interesting. Uh-huh. And that is the fierce mama bear side. Yeah. It actually it made empowers you to, to protect your offspring. Yeah. I, I was just you know, really... And I so it's, sorry. Oh, yeah, so I, go ahead. I know it was phone's always popping because you can't see. Yeah, I... I'm I'm just trying to look for the words of like what it felt like. Like I I wanted to nurse my baby. I love my baby. Um, and then mm-hmm. he would get on the breast and start to nurse and I wanted to like throw him against the wall. Yeah. It was it was uh, it was awful. <laughs> and you know, yeah. here my here I am, this uh, progressive parenting radio show lady. <laughs> <laughs> wanting to throw my kid against him. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And luckily at that ca- uh, conference, uh, Jack Newman was there. And uh, okay, he, good. he happened to notice it at dinner time when um, when we were all sitting together. Uh, I was nursing in front of um, a bunch of people. Uh, a lot of people were there. I didn't make asking was there. There was a bunch of people there, and I was breastfeeding. And he was, like, paying attention. Like, what is going on with her? Because I was in a great mood, everything was fine. The baby started crying and I put my baby to my breast and I looked completely different. I looked agitated. He, he could mm. just tell something was, something was going on. And uh, I just got lucky. I don't know that I would have gone to see anybody until much later. Cause right. I, I figured it was just all part of, you know, traveling and being tired and, you know, having four kids and the baby's brand new. And I, even me, like I, I should know better, but when you're in the middle of it, you you can't see anything. 
Right, of course. And, you know, I I feel bad that you kind of keep feeling like you should have known. I mean, it's kind of like you said, you don't know until you know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to kind of in, in some ways warn somebody. So what did Jack say to you? Um, he just asked me like a number of questions about what was going on. And then he examined uh, the, uh, my son's mouth and um, showed me the horrendous uh, lip t- uh, tongue tie that Jack had that I did uh-huh. not okay. know to diagnose <laughs> myself. Um, and uh, I, we ended up getting him... Um, uh, laser bent when I got back to the United States and uh, it helped tremendously. I would have quit. I would have quit at four years. Oh. I mean, at four months. Um, and uh, yeah, we're we're actually still going every once in a while now. <laughs> but, Excellent. Uh, Wonderful. Yeah. Well, you and I did that show on yeah, the no. extended breastfeeding and that was three years ago. <laughs> you still go. <going. laughs> uh, but I was ready to quit at four weeks. Good job. I get. I mean, four months. I was ready to quit. I get it. Um, I, I, oh, yeah. I get it. I no judgment for anybody who who quit or wants to. I get it. It's so hard. And uh, the only reason I think that I even came close to, you know, we'll say making it as long as I wanted to, um, was because I have an outrageous amount of support um, and, and and a lot of knowledge that I knew about before it happened. So if, if you don't have that, if you're just a lay person, right? right? If you're not right. like super nerd, you know, who geeks out on breastfeeding like I have for the last 15 years, <laughs> then how could you be expected to know? How could any any parent out there be expected to, have, to know what this can be like? Well, and how do you how do you share something like, say, Deemer with yeah. somebody who is – you know, all of, you know, flowers and sunshine and song about breastfeeding. And, yeah. you know, it feels like your skin is crawling, you know, at least for that first 10 minutes or so. Yeah, it's awful. You know, and it's like, so <laughs> yeah, then on top of, like, that. feeling bad, then you're heaping a bunch of shame on yourself. Like, what the hell is the matter with me? Yeah. 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 Maybe I'm just a bad mom. <laughs> well, so, right. Oh, you know, it's like, you know, I, I thought I loved my baby. And it's like, it mm-hmm. really has nothing to do with that. It's, you know, it's really strictly kind of a hormonal function. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think sometimes if people just kind of understand that too, then they, they can kind of like then cope with it. It's like, it's kind of like what, you, what we teach people who have experienced trauma, you know, like yeah. to adopt a, a kind of a mindfulness approach that when these really negative thoughts come by, you know, you teach them, you know, thoughts are not facts. Mm. You know that you you observe the thought and then you let it go. You know, yeah. and it's kind of like some an approach like that is one way to kind of handle it. One of the other things that you know we had actually suggested too is like thinking about okay, this seems to be a dysfunction of oxytocin. So how can it be reprogrammed? You know, so how can you think about ways to program? you know, your oxytocin, so it's getting back to the love and attachment hormone rather than the, you know, the I've got to defend my baby hormone. Right. You know, and so that was actually kind of one of the things we, you know, like Kirsten Newton, a smoker, and I, we actually wrote a paper about this, but we were kind of trying to suggest, you know, okay, so, you know, let's start. It's kind of like with, you know, in trauma therapy, one of the things you try to do is um, disassociate things that get connected you know, mm-hmm. like certain sounds or certain smells 
bring on all these negative feelings. So what you want to do is kind of disconnect it. And so it's a similar kind of thing here. It's like, okay, so somewhere, you know, it could be just a stress during pregnancy that kind of like triggered that. So we want to bring it back to associating that that physiological response with love and attachment, you know, rather than this, you know, this sort of scary protect protect my offspring. Right. So that that's oh, the, you know that that. I want to have you back on and talk about uh, breastfeeding and how it's helpful for trauma, too. (laughs) I need to have you back on. Okay, okay. But, you know, one thing I think that's kind of clear is because some people have said, oh, well, yeah, you know, um, DEMA has nothing to do with trauma. And I would say that's likely true because, again, like I said, not everything that we've ever ever experienced is related to any kind of past trauma. But it could be like a stressor. You know, Mm -hmm. it could have been something that happened during birth. Yeah. You know, for so, sure. You know, I, I, some people have kind of misunderstood what I've said about that. But yeah, no trauma. Breastfeeding is actually extremely helpful for trauma, but it's not always easy for every trauma survivor. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely yeah, okay. have to. I want to talk about all of this so much more. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. I, I, yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah. No. In fact, um, you know, it's funny because I've talked to so many trauma survivors over the years, and you know, you really get a full range of people's response to breastfeeding. You know, it's like some people find that it's just so helpful and so healing and everything. Other people, you know, have said that they never liked it, but they got to a point where they could tolerate it. Uh-huh. You know, that, and, and, you know, so it's kind of like, and I, I asked this one mom, she, she had uh, nursed four babies. She had actually never, ever told about this trauma that she'd experienced in junior high school. You know, oh, she wow. never revealed that. Yeah, oh, wow. and it's like oh, I mean, not wow. even not even her husband knew. Oh my and, goodness! You know, it, it was a you know it was a really pretty awful thing that actually happened to her in junior high, and so like oh. her parents never knew, her friends. I mean, so she oh, carried wow. this all these years, and and she said she you know she nursed four babies. Actually, she went for a a long time, like at least two years on for each baby, wow. and she says you know she says I never liked it. And she wow. said, so I got to the point. So she's the one who told me I got to the point where I could tolerate it. And she said, that was good enough. And I said, well, I've got to ask. I said, why in the world did you do it? Right. I said, you know, if it, if it was that hard. And she said, because it was important. You know, wow. it was like a goal for her. And she yeah. didn't want that taken away from her. You know, and so, you know, but I've had other, I've had other women say, oh, my gosh, it was the most healing thing. It was the first time I ever got good sleep in my whole life. I mean, you know, so I've heard that, that side, too. But it's not everybody's experience. But from a physiological standpoint, it's still beneficial, even if it's not necessarily an easy thing. Yeah. And you know yeah. that's that's I that's I think something that's pretty exciting. Wow, I'm like really thinking about all that now, and I wonder how many, how many moms out there have have breastfed, not enjoying it though, um, for a yeah. long time. Like, um, you know, because... it's um, it's more than it's more than you would think, and a lot of times, you know, what's what's kind of hard is they don't even feel like they can actually share it, and they feel sort of um, foreign, you know, when yeah. they're in their communities because they think, oh, well, you know, I mean, everybody else is loving it, and <laughs> and I'm not. What's the matter with me, kind of thing, and um, you know, so that can be really that can be really challenging. Well, I physically never enjoyed it. With my son, um, but I enjoyed the time together. But it, it never yes. was like, 
like with the my other kids where I didn't ever have I didn't ever not have this unease of like negativity <laughs> like never went away oh. um the whole time yeah, that's and hard. so that's that's this is with this is with your fourth yeah uh, and yeah, yeah, really but it sounds like you had a, it sounds like you had a really rough time. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was very overwhelming uh, and and super hard to talk about. Uh, I had no. Pro- I would talk to people about you know how uncomfortable it was because it uh, lip tie, tongue tie, or you know how we had struggled with it, but never wanted to like share the, all those negative feelings around it uh, and how it made me, yeah. my skin crawl, made me feel weird and. Um, I didn't like it. And even with as many like loving and beautiful people that I get to surround myself with in, in uh, childbirth and in, you know, API and stuff, I was always afraid to say anything out loud about it. Is it just, oh. I don't know. It's just weird. And yeah. And, yeah and I, didn't no, I mean, that, that's, that's really tough. Yeah. I didn't want anybody to try to like diagnose me with postpartum depression or something. I'm like, no, I know what that is. <laughs> right. Like, this, right. This, yeah. Um, oh, thank you yeah, for talking. This, this is different because it tends to be it tends to be kind of like concentrated a lot of times, especially during letdown. Yes, right before. Yeah, and it would take a long time mm-hmm. for letdown to happen because I wasn't yeah uh, forward to it. Well, sure. All. I mean, you know, you're tensing <laughs> up, and so you're then you're blocking the oxytocin. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the way our bodies work. You know, the the stress and oxytocin oppose each other. You know, so that if you're highly stressed and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, this is going to be miserable. This is going to, oh, you know, I don't want to feel like this. And, he, you know, so that is going to actually kind of then prolong it because it will be blocking that oxytocin, which is the thing you need for letdown. Right. There's so much to breastfeeding. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on the program today. I really appreciate you, all the work you do, how you do it. And I hope we have you back on the program I will make sure to get everybody all of your uh, links so that they can find you, find all of your books. I still don't okay. own all of them, Kathleen. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, what I actually would recommend rather than going to some of the, the other sites you mentioned, I would the, the Kathleen Kendall Tech is updated. We just updated that. Okay. Um, but our, also our publishing, our ProClarisPress.com site. Okay, that one. Because that's yeah. where we've got a lot of the kind of books that we're we're publishing and stuff, and and so hopefully eventually I I will get my APA book written about the uh, you know psychology and breastfeeding. I'm working on Good. it. I'm working diligently away. <laughs> Don't go too fast. I have a lot of books to catch up on. Now that that website that you mentioned is p r a e c l a r u s press dot com. Just make sure everybody got that, and I'll make sure to put it in the blog when I write it up. Um, but thank you oh, so much. I appreciate for Honestly, oh, okay. I, you know, I'm happy to be on. I, you know, and thank you for thank you for doing this show. I, I'm sure that this is actually helping a lot of moms and families. Gosh, I hope so. That's our hope. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kathleen, for being on. Thank you to our friends at the Starks Warehouse. Uh, if you did enjoy today's show and you got a lot out of it, please go to Instagram and just um, search the Storks Warehouse and let them know that I sent you. Uh, we really love having uh, sponsors that we believe in. And they are awesome. And thank you to all of our faithful listeners. This is my 13th year on the podcast. And we had done one, two, three, four years beforehand on AM and FM. So we're really coming into 17 years doing this. Thank wow, you so that's much. Wow, fantastic. 
It's been a long time. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will see you again next, or talk to you again next Wednesday. And until that time, y'all, you take care of yourselves and take care of each other. <laughs>